Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So we've been on a journey over the last three weeks on this, this title or this message and series I've called Shadowing Jesus. We've been looking at Jesus and wondering if we were to be in the crowd, if we were to be following Jesus as he ministers throughout Israel, as he ministers to the broken and to the hurting, what would it be like if we were maybe in the distance? What would it look like if we were impacted by what he was saying, what he was teaching? How would it change us? How would it transform us? And we're listening to these things. And we've experienced an amazing move of God. We've experienced his healings. We've experienced things in our midst. But I believe that God wants us to experience something today. This today, this passage is a mic drop moment. It's a mic drop moment by Peter. And Jesus interacts with him. But from this statement that Peter makes in the passage we're about to read, it transforms everything. It is the foundation of everything that we know. It's the foundation of the gospel. It's the foundation of us as a church. It's the foundation of God's purposes and his goodness in our lives. And so we are in the shadows. We're listening. We're hearing Jesus. And Jesus begins asking us some questions today. And I want you to open your own heart and let Jesus ask you these questions. In moments like this in our nation and and in our church, the question for all of us is this, is what does Jesus want the church to look like? What does he want us to be? How does he want us to interact? What did he tell us that we are to be and how we are to respond What did he tell us was our anchoring foundation? What did he say was the anchor of who we are as a church? And we get to listen in on this incredible conversation that's happening. Now, let me set the stage of this passage today. Jesus is with his disciples. He's ministering with them. And he begins to go to this area that's called Caesarea Philippi. Now, Caesarea Philippi is a really kind of a strange area because there they did pagan worship. And when Jesus visited there, pagan worship was still going on. They were, they were doing all kinds of crazy stuff, which I'll talk about in just a moment. But in all reality, this was the place that a Jew would never, ever even get close because it was nasty, it was filthy, it was demonic, it was, it was crazy. Now, Jesus takes his disciples there, and we're, we join them in the conversation, Matthew chapter 16, and this is what we come to today. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked his disciples, and listen to these questions, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, well, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah. Now think about this. They had walked with Jesus. They had been with him. They had seen him minister, seen him raise the dead, heal the sick, cast out demons. And who do people say the Son of Man is? Well, you know, some say John the Baptist. Others say Elijah and still others Um, Jeremiah or one of the prophets and then Jesus says this "Um, but what about you who do you say that I am and it's almost you can hear almost the gap who do you say I am the question you can hear it you can feel it Uh, I don't know but then 
Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, listen to this, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades which is really hell, the gates of hell, the demonic regions of hell, Satan and all of his strategies will not overcome this statement that was just made. Now, if you notice here, you have, this is the first time that the disciples had ever declared, Jesus, you are the Messiah. He asked them, but who do you say that I am? And so as we look at this passage and we look at this statement today, it's amazing to think about how things, or when you look at companies, how things start small and they explode. When you look at Facebook that, it, that began in some dorm room somewhere, now it has over, over 2 billion people that, that log on to it every day. When you look at all these different, the Chick-fil-A, when you look at all these companies that have just started small and they've exploded. When you look at Dell, Dell started in a little garage that now has over 100,000 employees. Like what, how did all this happen? But, and, the, and I love these stories because, you know, we're Americans and we love kind of that, wow, the, the starter company that turns into this major company. But none of these stories actually compare to the amazing story of the church of Jesus Christ. None of them do. Jesus introduced this idea of, of the church to these 12 ordinary men that he walked with and he ministered to, and they saw him. One of them dropped out along the way, and today the world has over 2 billion believers who confess that Jesus Christ is their Lord and their Savior. The, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ, this statement, the church has, has transformed nations Transforms cities, transforms families, and wants to transform us as well today. What that means is this, is that Jesus is the leader of this church. When, when Jesus said on this statement, on this statement that I am the Christ, the son of the living God, what he's saying is this, I'm the leader of the church. In other words, Jesus, you tell us what to do and we do it. This isn't about my preferences. This isn't about what I want. This isn't about what I wish I could do. This is Jesus, this is your church, and your plans are amazing. And if you have called on the name of the Lord and you are in his family, you are part of his church, and then if you, that's the large church, but then God sets us in local churches. And if you're joining us today, God has set you in this local church called Faith Bible Chapel. And just so you know, the leaders and the pastor says, we don't say, what do we want to do? We seek God. We say, Jesus, since this is your church, what do you want to do with the church? What kind of church does Jesus want us to be? And I think in this season of our, of our nation, this is, the, this is a great question to ask. And this is what I know, that our church is not a building. It's a community of people with common goals, common relationships, Common leadership and pastors is what scripture says. It's important though that we grow together. We allow God to speak to us together in our home, on the road, wherever you are. God wants to tr transform you and encourage you today and do something amazing in your life. So I just have three things. And if you have a paper, you can write this down or you can write the notes on your phone or whatever you want to do today. But what kind of church does Jesus want us to be? This is a really serious question. And from this statement, I want to pull out three things. There's actually more than three here, but from this state statement, 
During this season, I want us to look at these three things that Jesus is saying. Number one, what kind of church does Jesus want us to be? He he wants us to be a community of people that intimately knows Jesus. This is God's desire for us. A community of people that intimately knows Jesus. This is, think think about this question that Jesus asked the disciples out of Matthew 16. Who do people say the Son of Man is? Jesus is asking these questions. So who do other people say that I am? Jesus asked them this question. And the disciples give the opinions and the thoughts of other people. Oh, you're John the Baptist, or you're Elijah, or you're Jeremiah, or you're, you're one of the prophets that's come back from the dead. But interesting, listen, listen to this. Interesting enough, no one came up out of the gate. Well, I don't give a rip what other people say. You're the Messiah. Nobody said that. They didn't see it. They didn't know it because they didn't yet know Jesus intimately. They'd been watching him. They, they loved him as a friend. They, they knew him as a, as, a, as a brother. But that wasn't the first thing. Well, I, I don't know what other people say, but I know who you are. They didn't call that out because they were still lacking in their intimacy with Jesus. But then Jesus turns the question and directs it specifically to them. All right, boys. Okay, all right. Thanks for telling what everyone else thinks. But Matthew 16, 15, here's the question. This is the question Jesus is asking everyone today, the staff in this room and you online, who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? What, what, was, what was Jesus doing here? Why would he ask this question? This is what he was doing. He was confronting all of his disciples. He was calling them out. He was asking them, listen, who do you really think I am? Who do you really say I am? And then here comes Peter speaking up and saying this, you're the Messiah, you're the son of the living God. Think about this. This is the first time, first time we have in recorded scripture that the the disciples ever confessed who Jesus really is. The first time. They had walked with him. They had seen him. Or maybe we could bring it to us. They had gone to church And heard about him. They had been in a worship service. And sang songs about him. They had maybe been involved in a small group. And talked about him. Maybe they. Maybe maybe just like we've been in a church for a while. But here's, here's the question I believe Jesus is asking us. Especially in this season. Do you know me intimately? Do you know me? Because if they did know him intimately, they would have confessed, right? Well, you're the Messiah. Here's the question for us. Do we know him intimately? Because there's, there's there was a lot of people during Jesus' time, like we just heard, that believed he was somebody. They believed he was Elijah. They believed that he was Jeremiah. They believed he was somebody. I mean, he, he had something going on for this dude because what he was doing, they, he was a somebody. But they didn't know that he was the Messiah. Actually, so many people in Israel missed who he really was. They knew him, but they didn't know him. They knew of him, but they didn't experience him. If you compare that today 
There's a lot of people today in 2020 in our nation, specifically our nation, who would say they believe that Jesus is an actual, um, he, he, was, he actually was a historical person. Actually, um, statistics say around 85% of Americans say that they believe Jesus was a true historical figure. But the, more, but the more important question is this, who exactly is the Jesus that they believe in? Just an historical figure? And this is where the rubber meets the road for us today as the church. This is, this is about this, answering this question, who do you say I am? Who do we say Jesus is as a church? Who do we say Jesus is in our world? And what, what is, what's his life supposed to look like flowing through us into the hurting world around us? Who exactly is the Jesus you believe in? This is, again, this is where, where it all matters. This is, this, the answer to this question is what separates Christianity from false religions like Mormonism and Jehovah Witness and other, and, and other, other false religions. Because the Jesus that they believe in is not the Jesus of the Bible. They answer the question, who do you say I am? They answer it is, well, you're, you're the same as Michael Archangel or you're, you're, you're equal with, with Satan doesn't really have, you're not fully God. Well, then they don't know Jesus intimately. But the truth is, who we say Jesus is, who do you say that I am, is going to determine everything on how we follow him. Especially in our time of, of crisis right now as a nation. Listen, we're not going to fear because we have our hope in the Jesus that the scripture says he is the prince of peace. And the government rests on his shoulders. So he's going to take care of it. That's the Jesus that we believe in. That's the Jesus we anchor our lives to. If we think Jesus is a good teacher, okay, we listen to his words. Or maybe he has some good ideas. But if you believe that Jesus was and is, which I know all many of us do, but if you believe that Jesus was and is God in the flesh, the promised Messiah who came to the earth to save us from our sins, to conquer sin and death, to rule and reign as Lord and King, if we actually believe he is the Prince of Peace, that the government sits on his shoulders, then that changes everything on how we live our lives in this world. And I want to encourage you today. Jesus wants to know you intimately. He wants to share his secrets with you. I just was talking to one of my friends yesterday who had had this experience as she was really walking with an individual who, who, who passed on and went to be with the Lord. And she was a part of actually leading that person to the Lord. But she told me of this incredible experience when the person passed away and she was in the room that God's presence filled the room. And she had this encounter with someone who walked in the room that brought such joy and peace. And she just knew at that moment, I am having a supernatural moment right now. It's like God is showing me behind the curtain of what's really going on. And I shared with her this. I said, God shares with those who were close to him his secrets. When someone tells you a secret, if I was to say, you, excuse me, what happens when someone starts whispering a secret? You gotta get, you gotta get close enough to hear them. And Jesus has secrets for us. God has the secrets of His heart. He wants to show you things you've never seen before. But here's 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 the deal: we gotta be intimate with them. 
He just invites us closer. He wants us to know him. And this is what I know and I've found it in my own life. Our intimacy with God is a decision, just one, one decision away to just, God, I want to draw near and I want more of you. Because scripture is clear. He promised that if you draw near to him, he will draw near to you. And before you know it, you'll begin to hear the whisper of a father who's sharing you secrets about your own heart, about your own family, about your future, calming your fears that, that in all of this, it's going to be okay. I've got this. I'm the ruler and the reign, reigner of your life. I've got this. And that peace is available to all of us today. And let me just encourage you, over the next 21 days, we as a church, we're going to pray and grow in our intimacy with Jesus. We're going to grow with Jesus. We're going to see the supernatural happen in our midst. We're going we're to start hearing the secrets on how we're going to manage and, and lean into this and transform this and arrange certain things. And you're going to hear the secrets about your kids when they're maybe struggling. And you're going to say, it's going to be okay because God just spoke this to me from his word. I heard his secrets. Number two, what kind of church does Jesus want us to be as we are shadowing him and listening to him today? Number two, he wants us to be a community of people that confidently proclaims Jesus Christ. The world is watching how we respond to all of this. The world's watching. We have, please hear me, we have the only, the only message that actually gives hope. It's the only one. Yes, we can use wisdom. Yes, we can listen to the medical people. We can listen to all this. But we have the only message that actually calms the spirit and brings hope for the future. Peter makes this statement, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. This is what it all rests on. This is the proclamation. Peter proclaimed the first time Jesus ever mentioned the church was the first time this was proclaimed. You're the Messiah, the son of the living God. This is what it looks like to be a church. We proclaim who Jesus really is. And it's at this moment when Peter said, you're the Messiah, that Jesus looks at Peter and says, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you, was not revealed to you by flesh and blood. In other words, this didn't come from your head. This came from the spirit of God. Came from my Father in heaven. And then he said this, and I tell you, Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. And there are different interpretations of what this so I did. Well, maybe as Peter the rock, I think, I, I think and I believe and what other scholars believe, um, I think there's some confusion with this. I don't think Jesus was talking about building his church on Peter. But he was talking about building the church on the words that Peter just said. And though God used, God used Peter tremendously in the beginning of the church, the day of Pentecost, he stands up and preaches and 3,000 people are saved. But Jesus said this, I tell you that, that you are Peter, which, which is his name meant pebble or little rock. Upon this rock, speaking about Petra himself, I'm going to build my church. Jesus wasn't calling Peter the foundation. He wasn't calling Peter the first pope. He was calling Peter, he was calling Peter, what you just said is what's going to transform the world. He was, he was making a contrast. It, it, it's, like, it's like Jesus had given Simon a nickname, Little Rock. Or maybe we'd call him Rocky. I don't know, whatever you want to say. 
which means pebble or little rock. It's the kind of rock you'd pick up, you'd throw it in a stream. You wouldn't use a pebble for a foundation, but Jesus used another word when he describes himself, the statement, and it's Petra. It's a word that means foundation. It's a word that means unmovable. It's a word that means it, it ain't going anywhere. It's a solid rock which everything stands. And I think if Jesus, if we would have been there, actually let's just say we are watching, and Jesus would have said this, he, he would have something like this, I tell you that Peter, and he would point it at Peter, or this little rock, what you just said, little rock, the solid rock, he would point it at me, I'm going to build my church on that, what you just said about me. And this is what building the church means. It means transforming lives, transforming your lives. Many of us today do the transforming touch of Jesus Christ. But we transform lives through the proclamation of his message of hope, that Jesus is the Messiah, which means he's the Savior. He's the one that we need. The truth is God has placed us in this time, right now. He knew that we'd be going through this. He knew that this was coming. This didn't surprise God. God isn't wringing his hands trying, oh gosh, now what are we going to do? He knew it was coming. And he entrusted us as a church to navigate this and to use it for the glory of God and for us to know him more intimately in this season. And he's going to use it. Not that he would cause it, but he will definitely use it for his glory. And God has placed us to proclaim the message of the good news and this is the only message that can calm the fearful heart. This is what you need to know today if you're struggling with fear. That Jesus, you are the Messiah. You're my Savior. You're the Son of God. Only this message can lift the most brokenhearted person that is struggling. Maybe in your neighborhood. Maybe you know them today. Only this, this the reality of the statement can give hope to those who are hopeless and all those things are found in this proclamation that Peter gave. Jesus, you're the answer. You're the one. You're the, you're the one that I need. You're the answer to my weary soul. Lord, I know everything else is moving, but you're not moving at all because you're the rock in which this church, me, stands on. It's so important for us to understand Jesus wants our church to be a church that confidently and boldly declares that Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is our solution, and it's the world's solution. Jesus is the only way. Jesus is supreme. Jesus is, is the forgiver of sins. Jesus is the deliverer of those trapped in sin. Jesus is the lover of the hurting and the broken and the fearful and those who are vulnerable. Jesus is the one that we can build our lives on as the Petra, as the foundation, as the rock. And when we do that... When we begin to do that, when we begin to proclaim, when we begin to serve, and we just don't use words, we use actions and how we serve one another, what we do is we, be, we begin to become the church that Jesus died for. We begin to see the supernatural happening and working in our midst. And so for us as a church in this season, we're going to be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus Christ. We're going to be the proclaimers that Jesus is the answer. Now, I know everything is, is kind of, you know, squirrely right now, but Jesus hasn't gone anywhere. He's not unsettled. The church isn't moving. No, we are rock steady because we have set our eyes on a Savior that's the author and the finisher of our faith. He's the one that promised he's going to be with us to the ends of the age. In other words, he ain't going anywhere. 
And I said, ain't, and I'm sorry, English people. He's not going anywhere. But we're going to anchor our lives to him. Listen to what Paul said. When, when Paul, Paul's dealing with, with all kinds of opposition and, you know, listen, it's, you, don't, you can't preach that Paul. And then he'd do it anyway and he'd get slapped around and whipped and stoned and left for dead. And, but he kept doing it. And, and so this is the spirit in which I believe Jesus wants the church to have out of Romans 1.16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed to tell people Jesus is the answer. I'm not ashamed to tell people that Jesus is the only thing that can calm your fears. I'm not ashamed to be together with my other believers and seek God together and pray together. I'm not ashamed to do that. Because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. Our world needs us to shine, my friends. Our world needs you to shine. Your neighbors need you to be walking in peace. The church needs you to continue to be faithful to the church God has called you to be a part of. When we're proclaiming the gospel, this is what's, what's really cool. As I was looking at this week, when we're proclaiming the gospel, we begin to step into a protection that actually only comes through proclaiming the gospel. Something incredible happens. When we begin to share Christ through our church or invite people to church or serve others that are vulnerable during this time, inviting them to watch online as we do, something incredible happens. According to this passage, we begin to walk in the protection of God against the enemy, which brings us to point three of what kind of church does Jesus wants us to be? Number three, a community of people that is not intimidated by evil. A community of people that's not intimidated by evil, not intimidated by, by world systems shifting. We're not intimidated. Why? Because we, we actually have a rock that's not moving. <laughs> Everything else in the world moves, not Jesus. Everything else, in the, not the church. Yes, there are things you have to make adjustments for, but our foundation isn't going anywhere. Because Jesus is it, and he's your foundation. He's our family's foundation. He's your kid's foundation. He's our church's foundation. If you are standing on him, you're good. If you're, if you're over here, maybe not so much because everything's shifting. Well, then let's get back to this foundation right here because we're safe. We're secure. And then when we are weary and when we're broken and when we're fearful, we can say, Jesus, from my toes up, I'm freaking out. But from my soles of my feet down, I'm good because I can trust in that. I can trust in you. And we're not going to be intimidated, my friends, by evil, by fear, by sickness, by financial markets. Listen, they don't tell me what to do or what to believe. Jesus, it's his church and I'm a part of it. As a believer, you became a part of it. You became grafted into his family. You're a part of the church. It's, it's on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground. You thought you could trust it, and then within a week, ooh, I can't. I thought... I thought, I thought everything's good, and you know, I, I, can, I can do a little Jesus over here. I still love God, but man, this world, I, and all of a sudden, in one move, shoof, 
Jesus invites us to come back and to lean in to him. Jesus doesn't want you intimidated by evil. This is what Jesus says, Matthew 16, 18. I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Listen to this. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. (laughs) The gates of hell will not overcome it. This is what Jesus said. Well, what, what, what won't overcome it? A church that's proclaiming the gospel. A church that's growing in its intimacy with Jesus. A church that's rallying together in unity to say, listen, we're going to show the world what it means to be on the, on the rock. And Jesus is going to sustain us. And the gates of hell, this is the gates of hell. Just a quick side note, the gates back Back in those days were the place that the elders would meet at the gates of the city to make decisions. The gates of the place they would strategize about how they're going to go forward with the decisions in the city. And it's where the elders would meet to talk about strategy on, on how they're going to attack another city. The gates of hell, you could say the strategies of hell, will not overcome you. It will not overcome you. If you're here, you're good. You're going you're gonna to see this, but you're not going to see this going anywhere. Jesus is our foundation. That's the church that's proclaiming. You step into the protection when we are proclaiming that Jesus is the answer. Jesus says the church that's doing that, which is our church, that the forces of hell, the gates of hell, evil will not overpower you or overpower us. It doesn't say we won't face evil, we won't face fear, we won't face toilet paper shortages, but he says we will not be intimidated by evil. Fear or the plot of the enemy against us has no place for us as a church that's rooted and grounded in the reality that Jesus is our answer. Jesus and his, and his disciples were there. They were at this pagan area. There's this incredible cave. You can still go there today. That there was a, um, a spring that, that would bubble up. And the pagan people would, when they were worshiping these pagan gods, they would make human sacrifice. So it was this, this evil, evil world. They were killing people to sacrifice. They were, they were worshiping. They were cutting themselves. And, and Jesus takes them over there to all the, 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 the evil, the evil. And that area was called, actually during the day, was called the gates of hell. So here's Jesus. If you can picture, Jesus is standing outside this. And they know the gates of hell are are behind him, what they would call the gates of hell. Which means every strategy of the enemy. Which means every false religion. It means every, uh, every demonic thing, every evil, every filthy thing. It's the gates of hell. And Jesus said this. Hey, Peter, right there, that what you just said. That I am the Christ, the Son of the living God, you can bet your life on it. That's the only thing that's going to remain because the gates of hell, all of this, every teaching, every false religion, every strategy of the enemy, will, this will never prevail over what you just said. And as Jesus was giving this object lesson, and he wanted us to see this today for all of us to know, we are not going anywhere. 
This world is not, is not going gonna, not gonna to flip you upside down. Jesus is your rock. He will sustain you. He will keep you. And this is the hour for us, for our light to burn bright. That no fear for us. We can make that declaration today. No fear is going to keep us from being what God's called you to be. God is the God that makes sure that you're taken care of. And we're the church that as we come together, we declare to the Lord that we're His. And we declare to the world that we're the hope. And we declare the hope. I'm going to share with you in closing this writing from J.C. Ryle. And I want you to listen to this. And then I'm going to pray for you and bless you today. This is what he writes about the church. Listen to this. It's amazing. Nothing can altogether overthrow and destroy the church. Its members may be persecuted, oppressed, in prison, beaten, beheaded, burned. But the true church is never extinguished. It rises again from all afflictions. It lives through the fire and the water. We crushed in one land. If it's crushed in one land, it springs up in another. The Pharaohs, the Neros, have labored in vain to put down this church. They slaughter thousands and then pass away and go to their own place. But the church outlives them all and sees them and sees each one of them or sees each one of these plagues or sees it or pandemic. It sees all of them die and go away. Now listen to this. The church, you and me, is an anvil that has broken many hammers in this world and will break many more hammers in this world. The church is a bush which is often burning, but yet is never consumed. That's what we're going to be. We're a church that's gonna be full of hope, full of life. This too shall pass, and our light's gonna shine bright, and God's gonna do something amazing in our lives. And so we are on a journey together that we're gonna grow in our intimacy with one another. We're gonna grow, we're gonna seek God. We're gonna lean into Him. We're gonna listen for His secrets. We're gonna, we're gonna spend time with Him. We're gonna take this time and, and just allow God to show us how much He loves you, how much He cares for you, how much He's here for you. That's what we're gonna do. And we're also then gonna take another step. And we're gonna, we're gonna lean into God. We're gonna allow His power to move through us and in us. We're going to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to tell the world that Jesus is the hope that they're looking for. And when we do that, then we step into a protection that only comes through a church that's proclaiming the gospel. And we're not going to be intimidated by evil. And so my friends, I want you to know something. God is on the throne. He's ruling your world. He's ruling your family. And he's ruling our church. And together, we're going to lean in. Together, we're going to become stronger and stronger and stronger. He's the God of hope. He's the God of peace. He's the God of strength. 
And so we are going to take this step forward. Right where you are in your place, wherever you're watching this today, if you're with your family, I just want to ask you if you could just gather just for a second. Just gather together. Get close. Put your arms around each other. If, if you're not, just, it's, you just be where you are. I'm just going to ask all of us just to lift our hands and surrender as you get closer to one another. Just lift your hands and surrender. And we're going to receive the words from Jesus today. Lord, today I want to pray over our church family. Lord, I want to thank you that you are inviting us more and more to hear your secrets. God, we lean into you. We open our hearts to you. We, we make the decision, God, we just want to know you more. And Lord, this is what we always know. You always want to know us more. You always want to show us more of who you are because you care for us. You care for us. You just want to know us. This is not about religion or man's rules. You just want to know us more. You want us to experience you more. And so, Lord, we say yes to knowing you more. Right where you are, just say yes to the Lord. Yes, God. Then also, Lord, we want to be people that tell other people that you're the answer. You're what they're looking for. But, God, maybe some of us need to know that fresh and new today. So, Lord, we... we Realign our lives with you. And we say, Jesus, I'm putting my hope and my trust in you. But Lord, I also pray that we would proclaim your gospel. We'd be people that tell others that you are the Messiah. You're the one. If you lean on him, you will not be shaken. Right where you are, if you could just say yes to the Lord for being used to proclaim his gospel more. Say yes to the Lord. And then also, Lord, We thank you today that we do not have to be intimidated by evil, that you're the God of the impossible. You're the God that meets us right where we are. You're the God that calms the fears. You're the God that meets our brokenness. You're the God that holds us when we're struggling. You're the God that heals us. You're the God that pulls us together. You're the God that holds us and anchors us, and you sustain us. And so, Lord, today I pray May we all grow in our knowledge of you, God. And may we all overflow with the joy and the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you'd like to watch a service live online, you can join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. at live.faith.church. For everything else, visit faith.church. That's faith.church.